0: the Running Back radio show here at 98.5 WJYN, Uptime Radio Philly. This is Christopher Thomas. I'm here, you know, I'm here in the studio to talk, sit down and uh, talk some sports with you here for the next hour. Um, and we got a big week 13 recap to go on. Uh, obviously, we're going to go over that Super Bowl preview that we saw, take with the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens at m Bank Stadium. The Eagles' embarrassing loss to the Miami Dolphins. Well, at this point, anything that the Eagles do right is pretty much a step up from what they're doing. And uh, some NBA. Should Luka Doncic be in the MVP conversation? Should Bradley Beal be traded? Should the Wizards trade Bradley Beal and go against his wishes and how he should feel saying that he doesn't want to ring chase? And also, we're going to go on the Garrett Colesley stakes. And should the Phillies be all in trying to get the Cy Young... Um, elite pitcher onto their pitching staff. So, when, without further ado, we're going to go on to the hot topic that just happened a few hours ago. Ron Rivera, who was the coach of the Philip, of the Carolina Panthers, he has been fired per Adam Schefter. Um, the two-time coach of the year has been has been fired. The Carolina Panthers, at this point, they are four, five, and seven. They are. At this point, well out of the playoff picture, especially with the Saints dominating uh, the NFC South and clinching the NFC South, and um, and honestly, I don't think Rob Rivera is going to be without a job for long. He, like I said, he's a two-time Coach of the Year back in 2013, 2015. He's taken the Carolina Panthers to their second Super Bowl in franchise history. He has he is 13 games over 500 in his entire tenure, 76, 63, and one. He has a three and four playoff record. I think that's the only biggest knock on him. And uh, he owned a nickname, uh, Riverboat Ron, meaning that um, he earned it over the years with his aggressive play calling and uh, his management uh, in the guts of the game in terms of making aggressive play calling. I don't think he's going to be without a job long. Uh, I think that... I think if anything, I think there are three potential landing spots in of where he could go in uh the two thousand twenty season. I got three you know coaching jobs lined up before that um before he can um before he can you know venture out and find a position in which he can go defensive coordinator at the first spot I have is a relatively easy one. Jay Gruden was fired um Jay Gruden was fired earlier this season. I think Washington might be an ideal fit for him. Um, Washington has been really bad for a really long time. And I think they just need that guidance. I think they need somebody who's going to come in, establish uh, an aggressive style. And, oh, uh, I got a caller Uh, calling in the show right now. And uh, it's my friend Quincy. Quincy, what's going on? Hey, um, so uh, I'm just going over three potential landing spots. So, first of all, I just wanted—I'm talking about Ron Rivera right now. Riverboat Ron, he was fired earlier today from Carolina. 13 games over 500, two-time coach of the year. What were your thoughts on um, that firing? Well, my first thought was, why is Freddie Kitchen and Jason Jerry's working and he's not? Well, I—I I don't know. Um, teams love mediocrity, I guess. So it's. Yeah.
1: backup who did pretty well but now you know competition is getting real but his team is still competing they're not getting blown out the, but the browns are an embarrassment i mean they were talking about super bowl and this man is gone and freddie kitchen isn't so i don't know it, 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 i thought it was too early like do it at the end of the year
0: not right now so i don't know what that was about yeah i guess they just wanted to you know get ahead on the the coaching search early so, um, so, three potential landing spots that I have for him. The first off is Washington because Jay Gruden was fired earlier this year. Um, it gives an opportunity for Rivera to start over. You know, they're obviously going to have a high draft pick, so whether it be Chase Young or another high-caliber high defensive player, uh, it will be easy for Rivera to build up that defense back up in Washington. What are your thoughts? to <laughs> Washington because of that owner
1: yeah. It, 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 and that owner and that GM they're on another level and not, I, don't, I don't think he could be involved that too, truthfully I just don't see him going there I see more like a more of a, a older coach or a young, like probably like a younger coach who they're trying to like build up like a, a not not Sean McVay but like someone like around his age just so they can like mm-hmm. kind of like mold him into what they
0: want Okay, um, so the second uh, potential landing spot I had for him was probably the New York Jets. Um, if uh, Adam Gase is one and done, I think that's an ideal fit as well. You have some good defensive pieces over there: uh, Quentin Williams, Jamal Adams, C.J. Mosley. When he's healthy, you have a young quarterback over there, uh, Le'Veon Bell. So you have an, you have the ability of, of having a strong running game and a strong defense over there.
1: So, I'm not sure how that would work out. And not only that, I think if they did fire Adam, they probably hire Greg Williams because the players love him over there. So, that's that was a little tricky over there because I'm not sure they're going to fire him. But if they did, I think they go with Greg over Ron. I, honestly,
0: if, he, if anything, I think he takes a year off. Oh, the uh, Mike McCarthy plan? Okay. Um obviously that's um, going to be uh the last obviously the last um spot that I had. Um you you talked about it earlier. Um about over uh Jason Garrett. I I had him taking uh Jason Garrett's job over in Dallas. I think the only issue is the fact that Jerry Jones going to let him coach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't think Jason I don't think Jason's going anywhere because Jason's not
1: the coach. Jerry's the coach. <laughs> like, let's be honest. But yeah. about this. There's a coach up in Michigan who is not doing really good
0: right now. At <laughs> all. <laughs> he's not doing good up there. Yeah. And you bring him to Dallas with an
1: already established power running game. I'm just saying Jim Harbaugh the Cowboys
0: makes a lot of sense. My issue with Jim Harbaugh is is that he's he already went up to Michigan with expectations to obviously run the Big Ten. And he's never been able to seat to, you know, dethrone Ohio State. Honestly, at this point, he can't even dethrone even Penn State. So is he going to be willing to handle that expectations with Jerry up, you know, Jerry micromanaging everything that he does, you know, after that lap. If anything, I had Jim Harbaugh going to Carolina. It's no expectations there. Um, whether or not if camp stays or not, he's obviously going to have, you know, A good signal call over there, Luke Kuechly. You have a good running back in Christian McCaffrey. Good young wide receivers. So, I think Harbaugh, mate, I just had Harbaugh in Carolina, um, truthfully. actually, i I didn't think about that. Yeah. When you put it like that, yeah, you're
1: right. I could see him go to Carolina. Yeah. I was just saying, like, if anything, I feel like Jerry's going to go after a college coach if he gets with Jason. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I just think he's going to go after that college coach, kind of like Jimmy Johnson. Mm -hmm. That's what I think he's going to do.
0: All right, that's all right. That's fair. Um, the next conversation I was gonna have, um, the, what's next on my docket? Um, and that's good that you're on. You're a Forty ers fan. Oh. Um, yeah, I was gonna talk about that. Uh, that Forty Niners uh, Baltimore game on Sunday. Um, um the only re—I had to rewatch it today because obviously, me being in Philadelphia, I had to watch that Miami, um, uh, that Miami Dolphins Philadelphia Eagles game. Honestly, I wish I had the ability to switch that game off. <laughs> It's it, it it is what it is. The only reason why we're still in the East is because Dallas is terrible. But anyway, um, so as a Forty ers fan, what are your what were your thoughts on that game? I mean, I can't really be mad. I mean, the only thing that I
1: will question, which you know, I was like Kyle's being stupid, is the fourth and one play where he throws the ball. I thought that was just a dumb decision because Raheem, you know, he was running all over the place. He didn't have a negative yard that whole game, so why not just, you know, run the ball with Raheem right there, or do a play action to, and, you know, hit George Kittle or something just for him to just go straight past? That's my only take that I had against the whole game, but other than that, I can't complain, like, I was just happy, because it was raining, we're on the East Coast, and the fact that we almost won that game, I'm happy as a 49er fan that we were able to compete, so... I can't really
0: complain. That was a good game. Cool yeah. Team. Yeah, no, I was just watching uh first take briefly, um on the Monday show. I think Dan Alorsky brought up that point that um that you kinda of brought up. And uh, obviously I know you have um your issues with uh, you know, personality talents on um, on television, but he brought up a good point. Um in the guts of the game, like on the fourth and one, you already know Baltimore's gonna go Lamar Jackson uh if for better or for worse. Meanwhile, the forty ers um, that was an opportunity. It's like you gotta know your personnel, you gotta know what, what's been working all day. And the running game has been working all day. So i when I saw that call, I'm like I'm sorry, like I don't have an issue with Jimmy Garoppolo, but that was a time it was like you have a good offensive line, Moisture's been killing them all game, almost had 150 yards on the ground. So that was your opportunity just to run the football, power football. Um, I'm, that was just a point where it's like, all right, at this point, I don't need, I don't need the quarterback to make the play. I just need to trust my guys yeah. up front.
1: Yeah. That, that's, that's my only issue. Like I said, everything else I thought would be great, you know, but that play, I just was just like, I didn't get it. Like, at least a play action. Like, if it was a play action, I can live with it. I can say, okay, they didn't fall for it. But it was just a straight up shotgun, you know, a quick pass to George Kittle across the middle. And if you watch that play, Kittle wasn't even open. So even if he doesn't bat down the ball, Kittle might get hit. And, you know, they might, you know, force that pass, you know, deflection. So it was just a bad play call. I think Kyle overthought it. I think he was just, I don't know. I I thought it was a bad call. He could have done a lot. He could have done a screen, a deep ball. I mean, I don't know. That was just a dumb play call to
0: me. Yeah. And um, obviously, well, manager on the air, I just want to clear something up with you. Uh, I had the Forty ers going like nine and seven uh, with before the season started. My only issue was is the health of Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he going to be able to come back fully healthy and you know take this team where he needs to be? And I felt like if that was going to be the case, then I felt like you guys can win at least nine games because going into the season, I felt like uh, the Rams were still going to be like an eleven win team, but. Honestly, like I'm I'm really happy for you guys. I love what San Fran's been doing over the past few years, especially John Lynch. Um he's been building that that monster up front of Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, D Ford. I love the uh Joey Bosa pick. Um there's a Nick Nick Bosa, sorry. <laughs> but um but I love I love everything about that team. Uh it's built to win in January. You guys have a really good running game. Garoppolo's not gonna lose you a ball game. Uh you have a good young Young wide receiver core Probably the best tight end In all of football In George Kittle And uh, I'm really going to be Excited to watch you guys um, Play in January
1: Yeah My See I'll get into this later When I talk about What I told you What I wanted to address Okay But it's just If you really think about it The The The, ice, the, the pitch has always been there That this team Was going to be good Because he was awful and we had a really young team but we lost seven straight games by three points or less mm-hmm. we, we actually broke the nfl record in that so we were always competing and then the, the next year after jimmy got hurt we lost seven games by seven points left less and four of them were two you know playoff teams so we've always been able to compete we just never been helping so that's why I'm like I'm not I'm shocked that we're this good, but I'm not shocked that we're competing because we've always been competing. But you know the way people try to make it seem like is that we just been getting pissed on by every team. So I'm yeah. not really shocked that we're competing, but the record that shocked me.
0: Okay, and um, real quick, you guys have the Saints in New Orleans coming up. Uh, how confident are you that you can get that you can get a win in uh, in the Superdome?
1: Like, struggles this year has been against mobile QBs. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson and Kyler um, Murray and Russell Wilson have given us headaches. But if you look at our numbers, and this is something that people aren't talking about, if you look at our numbers against pocket QBs, like pure pocket QBs, it's not good for pocket QBs. Look what we did to Aaron Rodgers, who's a little mobile. And look what we are able to do to him. I'm not saying that things will be easy. But I'm just saying, I like our chances against a, 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 a pure pocket quarterback like Drew Brees because, let's be real, he doesn't really have a deep threat. Like, Michael Thomas isn't really a deep threat. He's more of a you know, move-to-change kind of guy. And not, you know, I'm not worried about Ted, dropping him again, Jr. So, I think we can win that game. It just depends on if the offense shows up. Because the Saints defense worries
0: me. Okay. Um, can I get a final score prediction? All right. I like that confidence. Maybe an NFC title game preview uh, going on this Sunday. Hey, uh, Quincy, I uh, just want to say uh, thank you for taking the time to to call in. All right, man. You have a good one. All right. You soon, man. And, uh, yeah, that was Quin- yeah, that was Quincy. That was our first caller for the show. And, um, man, the 49ers are looking really scary, man. This team could potentially go to the Super Bowl. They check off all the boxes. And but in the end, I think they have enough experience. Where, like, everybody's wondering about, like this team is young and inexperienced. They don't have you know the playoff veterans. They have Richard Sherman, Jimmy Garoppolo. He may have been a backup in New England, but he knows uh, obviously learning from Belichick, learning from Kyle Shanahan, who's coached um, in in playoff games, won playoff games, coached the Super Bowl. They have enough veteran experience to pull this off. And honestly I'm really, really forward to um that Saints uh that Saints forty ers game on Sunday. However, uh as one team thrives, another team struggles. And I'm just gonna clear the air for this right now. And I'm obviously gonna talk about Nick Foles. Nick Foles was benched earlier. Nick Foles was benched on Monday for in favor of Garner Minshew, uh the 6 round rookie. Um and yeah, honestly, you shouldn't feel bad for Nick Foles at all. And obviously, I'm going to say this as a full stand since 2012. I'm honestly beginning to really just not, and not just like the guy, not like the guy, because the guy's a really great guy. Uh, you can learn from the struggles that he has, and obviously, looking looking the fact that he looks, he goes to his faith. And um, in terms of in terms of turmoil and struggles and hardships, and you can obviously learn from that. His speech from what he did uh, after the Super Bowl, saying that he's not Superman, he tries to take him one day at a time, is really inspiring, but in terms of him being a quarterback, he's had four opportunities being a quarterback. He's failed on every single last one of them. The first one was he had the opportunity to be the franchise quarterback going forward in Philadelphia. He gets hurt. The team was 6-2. and two. Mark Sanchez took over. They finished the season 10-6 and six and lost the division to Dallas. He then... In his first tenure, I can understand it wasn't his fault. He lost he lost his job technically due to injury, then was traded off to the Rams, uh, where pretty much Jeff Fisher is the ultimate quarterback killer with the exception of Steve McNair. He gets benched for Case Canem in in St. Louis, back when they were in St. Louis. He contemplates retirements, then backs up um, Alex Smith in Kansas City, comes back in Philadelphia, and obviously, you know, the whole thing. Comes a relief for Carson Wentz the last several games of the season wins the Super Bowl, and then he's the backup again. Uh, Beats Chicago and over in a really you know last minute double doink, and then goes to New Orleans and almost pulls it off again. If it wasn't for an Allshon Jeffrey drop, but however gets paid eighty eight million dollars fifty million guaranteed to the rank uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, which they needed a quarterback. Because Blake Bortles is just an eyesore to watch. He gets everything. Uh, young court, uh, young offensive line to work with. Really good weapons. D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Shark, his old uh, an old offensive coordinator, John D. Filippo, a guy that he worked with in Philadelphia. And he has some, He's zero four. I'm not. Gonna, well, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be nice. I'm gonna say zero three because he got hurt in that first game. Broken his collarbone, missed almost two months of action. The he gets healthy during the bye. They and because of the fact that he's making that much that amount of money, they kinda have to play him. But after three starts, that that Sunday game against Tampa Bay, fumble for a touchdown, uh two more interceptions off off the bat, three turnovers in the first half, they go back to Garner Minshew. They feel like his mobility in the pocket gives him a better opportunity to win because Foles has always never been the most fleet of foot athlete, Not never in his entire career, not even going back to Arizona. But we have to stop feeling sorry for Nick Foles. Like, man, this is messed up for having to stop it. He's had multiple opportunities to be the franchise quarterback. And in the end, he either loses his job because he doesn't perform to par like a franchise quarterback should give you the confidence he's doing, or he loses his job to injury like he does. Broken collarbone twice. He gets benched by Case Keenum. Every single time they try to make him a franchise quarterback, he gets hurt. He's a gr- If this was baseball, he's a great relief pitcher. Probably one of the best in the league. Great relief pitcher. Really good closer. Not a starting caliber quarterback. We've seen this time and time again. And for anybody who keeps telling like they made the wrong mistakes, they kept the wrong guy. This is how many times, how many teams have Nick Foles has been on, and he's proven time and time again he's not the guy. And I don't care how bad the Eagles look. All of the Eagles' misfortunes are not on Carson Wentz. It's drops, it's coaching, it's defense, it's everything. Honestly, does Carson Wentz need to play better in certain aspects? I agree 100%. But uh, a lot of things can be true at the same time. Can Carson Wentz step up? Sure. Can the coaching be better? Yes, it can. Both things can be true at the same time. There's no monolith or absolute opinion on what needs to happen with this Philadelphia Eagles team. Everybody needs to do their job better. Period. It's not a thing where it's like if Nick Foles comes back, he magically fixes everything. It's not. It's not that simple with this team. Defense... Defense struggles early on. Then they go through on a stretch, and when they contain Russell Wilson, they stop Tom Brady, they stop Josh Allen, and next thing you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has uh, a career day. Ronald Darby keeps getting mossed and destroyed by Devontae Parker. Jalen Mills keeps getting destroyed by Mike Gusecki. Nelson Aguilar drops two potential game-winning touchdown passes. J.J. Arcega white side of rookie, drops another one against the Lions. There are a lot of issues on this Philadelphia Eagles team that's not Carson Wentz's fault. And just because if you had Nick Foles instead of Carson Wentz, it's not going to make a difference. If you had Carson Wentz instead, he probably gets hurt in your... Let's just, let's just live in this reality in which certain Eagles fans want to live in. Let's say you trade Carson Wentz. You get a boatload of first-round picks, and you go ahead and... You make him the starting quarterback, and Josh McCown's your starting and your backup. And Nick Foles gets hurt week one. You're stuck with Josh McCown for the next two months. And what is your record probably then? Probably the same. As much as I I love Nick Foles for everything that he's done in Philadelphia, I am sick and tired of of this undying love for him because they won a the Super Bowl. I understand. And I even said this. The first person the first quarterback to win this team this town a Super Bowl is going to be revered and idolized forever. But if everybody wants to get like everybody wants to get over the fact that Carson Wentz was almost the MVP in 2017, are we ever going to get tired and get over the fact that a quarterback that's not even on the team anymore and for something that he did almost three years ago? Get over it. Period, point blank. I'm sick and tired of talking about it. I'm sick and tired of seeing these tweets, seeing these Facebook posts about saying, like, man, we just should have kept Nick Foles. For what? The problem is deeper than quarterbacks right now. It's tiring. It's tiring to having to keep going at it ad nauseum every single week. It is. So get over Nick Foles. If you love Nick Foles that much, then go cheer for him in Jacksonville. Carson Wentz is your guy. You guys need to get over it, period. All right, so next topic that we are going to discuss is that Sunday night game. Um, Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans host the um, New England Patriots. And Deshaun Watson put on a show, and for the first time in his entire coaching career, Bill O'Brien finally beats Bill Belichick. After going through so many quarterbacks, Brock Osweiler, Tom Savage, Matt Schaub. No, oh, no, not Matt Schaub. That was Gary Kubiak. My fault. We're just going to probably edit that out later. But but they finally beat uh, the Big Bad Boogeyman and Brady and Belichick and the New England Patriots. And I saw this. I, in a weird way, I kind of saw this coming. Because the way I see the Patriots this year is, like, the more I watch them, the better the competition that they play, the the more they struggle. I've seen this time and time. I've seen this all throughout the season. If you play a team that even has remotely close to a heartbeat, the Patriots struggle to find a win. This isn't Houston's not the, the New York jets without, you know, their starting quarterback who had to miss, you know, several weeks with mono. This isn't the Miami dolphins. You saw, they barely got out of Buffalo with a win. Josh Allen gets hurt in the third quarter, and they had to go with Matt Barkley the rest of the way. And that defense gets four turnovers. And honestly, they're 10-2 and two right now. They're still the number two seed, but it just goes to show you how overrated the win-loss statistic for quarterbacks is. Because Tom Brady really hasn't been responsible for any of those wins. And honestly, the past, like, several weeks uh, in that Bills game, Brady... Brady didn't throw a single touchdown pass. And they still won because the defense got four turnovers. Uh they played against a Baltimore a really good Baltimore Ravens team and they get ran all over and Brady played at his absolute worst. And look at Houston, the first three quarters Brady completed nearly just about 50% of his passes. They make a little bit run, they make a little run at the end of the game. But at the end, like he puts them in a hole in which they had to pretty much go at the last minute, just air it out, and just hope for the best for them to make a comeback. Against Dallas, he completed less than 50% of his passes. And Dallas just forgot the fact that you paid Ezekiel Elliott $90 million, and it's a rainy day. And it's a messy night at Foxborough, and you have an elite running back. In Philadelphia, Julian Edelman throws the, throws the touchdown pass for New England, their only touchdown of the game. And... Even so then, the Eagles still had their opportunities to win that game at the end, and the ball just doesn't bounce their way. So the more I watch the Patriots, the more that big, bad boogeyman, that's Tom Brady, it's, it's, really, it's rearing its ugly head, and it's rearing its age. They have the Chiefs next. They have the Buffalo Bills in a rematch, but this one's in Foxborough. And since 2003, the, Bills have, um, the Patriots have lost only one time in Foxborough. So that's going to be a really uphill task, but I'm a believer now in Josh Allen. Uh, that Thanksgiving game has nothing to do with them beating Dallas even though that was a cherry on the top. But Josh Allen to me is a gamer. Uh, yes, he can he be a more polished passer? Yeah, obviously he can. He was a raw talent coming out. But Buffalo knew exactly the guy that they wanted and they knew he was going to be a project, but he has a good arm, good legs, but He has the one thing that I really love in terms of a quarterback. In the two minutes, do you have the resolve? Do you have the guts to win me a football game? And Josh Allen has it. He has that it factor. You can't coach it. You can't teach it. You can't develop it at a later stage. It's either you have it or you don't. And Josh Allen has that. But they have the Chiefs coming up. Uh, They have the Bills again in the rematch. So, Honestly, the Patriots might be in trouble because the way I look at this offense, they have no deep threat. Uh, the Mohamed Sanu trade, and he's only played in three games so far since they traded the second-round pick for him. It's He's not making he's not making an impact at all. You're missing Ron Gronkowski because for years you're so used to having that tight end security blanket from Ron Gronkowski. But it's like when you look at the statistics, passing statistics for all the tight ends on New England, they're nearly – Bottom, they're nearly bottom at every single statistic. They're last in touchdowns from a tight end. They're sit, they're bottom three in last in catches from a tight end and bottom three in yards, in uh, reception yards for tight ends. So all you really have is Julie Edelman and James White. That offense needs to figure it out soon because if it's not too careful, if they're not careful enough, they can lose to the Chiefs. If they're not careful enough, they can lose the division to the Buffalo Bills. I never thought in my my entire life like I would ever say that, especially coming into this season. I thought the Bills were gonna be, you know, a fringe like eight and eighteen. I didn't think they were gonna be, you know, just a game behind New England going into December. Man, that's something, but New England has to figure that out fast. Obviously, they have two. Obviously, their two biggest games left against the Chiefs, and against the Bills, it's going to be in Foxborough. And they've only lost one game since 2003 in December in Foxborough. So I'm sure Belichick will figure it out. Smart money never goes against Bill Belichick. As far as Deshaun Watson goes, he is back in the MVP discussion. It, if I had to rank it in order, it's Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. And once again, I just got to repeat this. I love the fact that the top three MVP uh, potential candidates are all-black quarterbacks. I thought never in my life I would ever have the ability to say this on air or just even witness this as a fan in my life. And honestly, these three are changing the perception at the quarterback position. You're just letting these guys just go out and just letting them be them. Let them... Run your offense to cater to their skills. Don't try to square peg round hone them into something they're not. Like like you try to like Jeff Fisher tried to do with Vince Young and every other quarterback, you know, architect after that. You're you're letting them use their athletic abilities. You're building your offense or of, you know, suited to their skills. And it's it's something like refreshing to see. It's the fact that, you know, they're not getting hounded or hindered by bad coaching for being you know, scrambling quarterbacks, running quarterbacks. But Watson is special. From what I saw on Sunday night, the way he was able to dissect that Patriots defense, which, don't get it twisted, even with the competition, it's still relatively good. They were, you know, zero blitzing them all night, and Deshaun Watson was picking them apart. He had that middle of the field open all night long. That beautiful pass that he threw to Will Fuller in the back of the end zone on that third down was... Which is special to watch. And and honestly, yeah, he definitely Watson at the very least, he should be third in the MVP discussion. The offensive line is not good. That entire offense is either it's Watson or Buss. They don't have a reliable running game. You no, know, Duke Johnson does, you know, a few things here and there. Carlos Hyde is there's a reason why he's been passed around by multiple different teams, especially over the past few years now. And their defense you don't have JJ Watt. You still have Marcellus Whitley. Secondary's not that good. But JJ Watt potentially could come back for the playoffs, which and that could be, you know, big for that defense. They just need somebody uh, you know, to help him. You know, especially help help him in that pass rush. But yeah, Watson is definitely third on my board. When you watch that Houston Texans offense, I'm not convinced that Bill O'Brien, you know, is the guy that should be is like that quarterback guru that's, like, you know, helping Deshaun Watson. I think that's just Deshaun Watson's talent, you know, shining through. Anyway, um, I think that's enough football. We still got about 13, um, you know, minutes left for our show. And uh, I'm going to talk about um little NBA. Uh, I'm going to skip my uh, Luka Doncic uh, spiel. But uh, Luka definitely should, is my MVP frontrunner right now. He was a Western Conference player of the month. Um, he's averaging thirty, close to thirty-one points right now. He's a, a tick away from you know uh, ten rebounds a game. He's averaging nine point six assists a game, and Dallas is winning right now. If Dallas gets to fifty games, then uh, you got to give Luca the MVP. As harsh as it's gonna sound, I don't care about James Harden. And and Giannis is on the tear, but Luca, if you take Luca off that team, they're a lottery team again. Obviously, the same thing you can you can really say the same thing about Giannis Antetokounmpo. But during the during the East, they if anything they can still find a way to find themselves in the playoff picture even without Giannis. But Luca's changing that entire team in 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 Dallas right now. He's averaging nearly a thirty point triple double, and the kid's only twenty years old. I want him to win MVP because him being the youngest MVP of all time would is probably be. It'd be, it'd be nice to see. And honestly, he's killing that perception that AAU basketball is killing you know, the younger talents that are coming into the league right now. So, Luca, you have my MVP vote. As far as, speaking of 30-point-per-game scores, um, should the Wizards trade Bradley Beal and officially rebuild? Uh, Bradley Beal came out and said that he he doesn't care about what what everybody else is doing the free agency and everybody else, you know, stacking their teams up and going, you know, elsewhere to you know, try to like, you know, build their you know, stack up teams and try to win a title Bradley Bill says he doesn't care about any of that, he wants to, you know win in his own way, he wants to win in the Washington if I was, listen I'm just, this is the realest thing I'm going to say to you right now if I was a Wizards GM after that, you know, that two-year extension, uh, two years, $72 million, in which he could have really gotten a super max out of that. If I'm the Wizards, I'm trading Bradley Beal and officially starting that rebuild. I just hate the fact that teams, as middle ground as the Wizards are, they won't trade. They won't trade. They won't rebuild. They won't go through that long, agonizing process of having to scout proper talent and make key signings in order for them to rebuild. John Wall's not coming back this year. Your only big trade piece that you have is Bradley Beal. You can get a nice trade package for Bradley Beal. He's a top three shooting guard in the league at this current moment. He might be the best second best shooting guard in the league after James Harden. And honestly, you just need to know it's like how many how many years are you going to go this Bradley Beal John Wall combination in order for you to fall short of the playoffs? It's gotta get tiring, but if I'm them, if I'm the Wizard general manager, I by All Star break, I should I should have a deal, you know, ready in place for for Bradley Beal. Some potential landing spots I had for him. Um, I uh, potentially Orlando. If Orlando is gonna go all in with Nikolai Vucevic and try to get a low tier playoff spot, then Nikolai Vucevic. Mark Fultz, Bradley Beal, that can get you a 7th and 8th spot in the East or among something among those lines. Or maybe even trade in the Brooklyn. You know, get Kyrie in a, a backcourt partner. Um, they have a lot of young, manageable contracts. Spencer Dimlitty, Carousel Third, Joe Harris, uh, maybe Jared Allen. You can package something together along those lines and then your big three next year is gonna be Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant coming back from injury. That could do some damage in the East. that could do some damage in the East or trade them out west. And probably just do like a straight up deal for Andrew Wiggins and some picks. Uh there if you really want them if you really want the Timberwolves to compete then you're gonna need somebody in that backcourt in the guts of a game, to get the ball in the last minute. And I think Bradley Beal is that guy. I would love to see that combination, that shooting combination of Carl Anthony Towns. probably the best shooting big man in the league right now. And uh, and Bradley Beal. That would be really you know fun to watch. That would be really fun to see. But if I'm the Wizards, cut your losses. You're already paying John Wall a ridiculous amount of money. Don't hamstring yourself by paying two big contracts and you can't build your team properly because you just want to hold on to the only two talents that are left that you guys got in the draft and you just want to see it at the end. Cut your losses. Trade Bradley Beal right now. Or trade him by the All-Star break. Just trade Bradley Beal. I just, I just hate like com- incompetent franchises who can't see the writings on the wall. they are nowhere going to be near close to competing for a championship, especially when you're starting when your star point Garrett is coming back off a two-year hiatus with an Achilles injury. That's just, that's ridiculous. But you know what is ridiculous? The Garrett Cole sweepstakes. And uh, Garrett Cole, he pretty much came out saying now, I'm not. Going to be hasty about my decision. You're probably going to see a deal sometime in January. But the suitors are lining up. The Phillies saying they're all in. The the Yankees saying they're all in. And who knows? Maybe some other teams. Maybe the Red Sox maybe Frank throw their hat in. The White Sox who struck out in free agency over the last um, few seasons. uh, With Bryce Harper. With Manny Machado going to the Padres. With Bryce Harper going to the Phillies. Maybe Garrett Cole might be the star that they could build their team around but should the phillies be all in on garrett cole and they absolutely should they need starting pitching i don't care as 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 harsh as it's going to sound i don't care about them getting mookie bets that would be nice to see but that's not their issue right now their issue is pitching pitching uh starting pitching bullpen pitching they don't have a legitimate closer as much as Hector heckleras did an admirable job to me he's more of a setup guy if anything, the only closer I could potentially see on this roster right now is probably Sir Anthony Dominguez. Or take my advice, which I've been saying for like the past three years, move Vinny Velasquez to closer. He has closer stuff. The velocity is there. He can let loose for just one inning. Just potentially move that. But they should be on it. Uh, as much as I love Aaron Nola, he's, he shouldn't be your number one pitcher. and And it's like if you have Garrett Cole... And you have Aaron Nola coming off, you know, as a number two guy, then you could work with that. And I think if everything else, uh, Zach Eflin could, you know, be your third guy. Uh, Cole Hamels also said that he wants, he doesn't mind, you know, a reunion with the Phillies. So your pitching staff could be potentially Garrett Cole, Aaron Nola, Cole Hamels, Jake Arrieta, who's still on the team, and you, you got to pitch him, you're paying $25 million, and probably Zach Eflin. I would be confident in that pitching staff. And then after that, you're getting a bunch of guys coming off injury. You're getting David Robinson coming off injury, Sir Anthony Dominguez. Um, and then uh, you can bring in a bunch of farm guys in, to, uh, you know, fill in that bullpen spot. But if you get Garrett Cole, then I'm perfectly fine with you guys doing absolutely nothing else. Maybe get D.D. Guglielmo. Jagores, you know, play have him play a shortstop because Gene Segores said he doesn't mind playing, um, leaving off shortstop. Maybe move him to third base. So then your infield could be your J.T. Hosk Hoskins at first base, Kingery at second, Didi at small f- at a shortstop, and uh, Kingery at third. You could do a lot worse. You're getting back healthy, so that's going to be uh, your center fielder uh, or left fielder. Uh, bring back Corey Dickerson. That could be your left. That could be also be your another outfield spot in your Bryce Harper. And with the managing genius that is, and obviously with the manager that you have, this could win like eighty. You can win like eighty five, ninety games. Maybe get a finally get a wild card spot. Uh, because you're still, you know, you're still going to be in a very stacked division. Um, obviously the World Champion Nationals with Juan Soto. But Patrick Corbin, if they sign Steven Strasburg, Matt Scherzer, that's going to be, you know, a tough outing. Regardless, if you get Garrett Cole or not, then you have the Braves. Uh, obviously, with uh, their obviously with their lineup as well. But if you bring Garrett Cole, then that means you are going to be very serious uh, about potentially winning a about you know trying to you know not only just trying to be going back to being a playoff team, but being a World Series contender as well. Because you're gonna need that, you're gonna need that guy, and um, but yeah, um, it's gonna be really interesting all season. If you get Garrett Cole, put him with Joe Girardi, then I think you can finally stamp your ticket for finally getting back into the postseason. And uh, the last topic, I only have a few minutes left, we should get the number four spot in the college football playoffs. And uh, I wrote about this earlier on uh, my Inside the Hashes blog. Um, it's either going to be Oklahoma or Georgia. I think at this spot, it's Georgia's spot to lose. Georgia currently has the number four playoff spot right now in the college football playoffs. And all they have to do is beat LSU in the SEC title game, and that spot is theirs. It's going to be probably Georgia probably being number two. And that's that's weird. I don't know how then the seeding is going to be done because Ohio State is number one right now. Uh, Clemson would probably move to two. Would, would Georgia move to three and LSU to four? Man. But either way, that would be your top four teams. But either way, um, Georgia controls their own destiny. They're the number four spot right now. However, DeAndre Schiff has a shoulder injury. Jake Fromm hasn't been performing well. He's passed below 50% passing in the last four contests as well. Georgia's offense has been mediocre, especially – almost all season. Um, they've passed for over. They've scored less than 27 points in like six of their last seven ball games. But this LSU defense, you can score on this defense. If they get Swift back and Jake Fromm, you know, performs at a above-average level, which will be a major upgrade what he's been performing over the past month of games, um, they can win this game. But, honestly, I have Oklahoma at that final spot. You... They were at their very worst playing Baylor around twenty eight to three. Jalen Hurts is playing a lot better. Um, they have the they have the s uh, they have the Big 12's best defense. They're playing at a really good rate, only allowing eighteen points a game. Alex Grinch has definitely have you know his hand on turning around that defense at a really good rate. But uh, I think I have Oklahoma at that last spot, so it'd probably be o- Ohio State number one, uh, LSU two. Clemson three and Oklahoma, Oklahoma at that last spot at four. I think that is what you're going to see for the college football playoffs. Um, all the marquee teams, all the teams with the good quarterbacks, with the, with the major headlines, you know, Justin Fields coming over from Georgia and becoming the, uh, premier, uh, Heisman candidate at Ohio state. You have Joe Burroughs, who is probably the front runner, probably is going to win, um, the, the Heisman this year. Uh, you have the go You have the golden child, Trevor Lawrence, not playing. You know, at the level that you, th- that everybody thought he was going to be playing this year. But put him into that playoff position. Him and Dabble Sweeney can work some magic. And then obviously you have you know the guy who might be the runner up for the Heisman at Jalen Hurts. You know, sperm from Alabama and Fray Vertua and can win another you know championship. Um. You know, with another team. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of college football. Maybe you need to fact check that later. But anyway, it is 9 o'clock. You have been listening to Uptown Radio, WJYN 98.5 FM. And uh, check me out every single Tuesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Um, if you want to sit here and talk some sports, call in. Call in. Let me know ahead of time. I'll get you on. Um, in the meantime... This is Chris Thomas. You're listening to Uptown Radio, WJYN ninety point ninety-eight point five. I am signing off.